I like this tune. Do, 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 do. Here we go. My name is Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to yet another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is episode number I have no idea because I don't know when we're going to post this. Probably sometime in January. January. Mm-hmm. So what is Zen Parenting Radio? It's a podcast that will make you feel... Outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding for I goodness do. sakes? And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent self-understanding. On today's show, we have a special guest, and her name is Anne-Marie Churesco. Did I pronounce your last name correctly? You didn't, but you're close. Churesco. Try one more time. Churesco. No C at the end. I was going to say, you're putting an extra C in there. It's Churesco. 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 But really, it's Cerazzo. Are you Italian? I am. Hello. Okay. And you're Italian. I am. Two Italian ladies at the table. I know. We can bond on that. <laughs> we can. Even though you have a much better way of speaking with that Italian. How would you uh, say her maiden name? My last name is Cassani. Cassani. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cassani. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She mm-hmm. kind of reminds me of Sarah, my I know. stepmom. She's also ah, Italian. I hope that's a good thing. It mm-hmm. is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because she can... She. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. It's yes. a great thing. Yes. I love Sarah. And she can do the same every time she says a last name or something. She says it with an Italian kind of... Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. We're doing the hands. That's yeah. right. You Italians talk with your hands. Oh, we do. We do. And I'm Norwegian. And my Norwegian heritage, when they say yeah, they go yeah. They breathe in while they ah, say yeah. Isn't I've that weird? That. Yeah, I never paid attention to it. You're right. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't get it. I know. Someone wrote to us and said, yes, yes. I totally recognize that in my grandmother. My middle daughter, uh, JC, her middle name is Inga, named after my great-grandmother. And she would always say, yeah. And then I went to Norway and I was like 22. And then all of a sudden I realized she wasn't the only one who said that. All of those Norwegians do it. <laughs> that's <laughs> a thing. It's a I think it's because they're cold. Yeah, maybe that's <laughs> it. Hopefully <laughs> they're just breathing in they're right breathing in The cold air. I know. So Anne-Marie is from, she is does a lot of things, but she has a business that she started called Bring It Home. I do. 2015. Why do I feel like you've been doing this a lot longer? Than- well, because I have, because I merged a bunch of things and I brought them all home. together. I bring brought them home. all home into one place. What? So in- we- Go ahead, sweetheart. Well, I was going to say, what were the things you merged? Because like Todd said, you've been in this, we've all been in this world together a long time. So um, you maybe made it all official, but you've been working on mindfulness. Tell, tell us all the things. Yeah. So I started coaching mm-hmm. a decade or over a decade ago. So I had that that brand. And then I got into bringing mindfulness into kids in schools mm-hmm. because I wanted to wake up kids along with waking up adults mm-hmm. or support waking them up. Mm-hmm. And then um, parents came into the fold as sort of a focus. So I had all these different brands out there and they were scattered. So I brought them all home, brought them together under one brand um, in 2015. So you work with children? Children. Parents. Parents. Schools. Schools. Who am I missing? Educators. Yep. Educators. I mean, that's quite a bit. Our big focus is working in school communities and touching all three parts of the school community. So we're going to work with the um, development team, with the educational team. We work with the teachers. We work with the students. And then there's always the parents, right? They're Mm -hmm. part of the team. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We have found when I first started going in and working in schools and teaching mindfulness in the classroom, you know this, Kathy, Mm -hmm. you do this. It's so fun. Those Mm -hmm. kids are so delicious and they get it and they love it. Mm -hmm. And parents were knocking on my door going, I want me some of that. So we started creating um, programming for parents. And then I realized really the missing piece was addressing the teachers who have so much stress and so much pressure Mm -hmm. from in their own personal lives, within the team system at the school, within the classroom, and then with the parents. So we bring programming to all of those elements. And is it programming specific to mindfulness or does it go beyond that or what? 
Yes, I love that you just said that. Because <laughs> the, the program is mindfulness and beyond mindfulness. Okay. So we teach mindfulness. You're really familiar with this, mm-hmm. Kathy. You do the same thing. Well, I'm going ca- to cut you off. What is mindfulness? Mindfulness for is you. a practice okay. of getting present in the moment, mm. non-judgmentally to whatever's occurring. Mm. Okay. So Wonderful. mindfulness is actually a practice to cultivating presence. Wonderful. Mm. Okay. So um, teaching mindfulness in the classroom was a great um, resource for kids, but we, I recognized that we needed to go a little bit beyond that, and there were some extra tools that were needed. So once we got kids present, yeah, I'm noticing I have some anger in here. I have some sadness. I have some frustration. All right, you know, what do I do next? Right. Mm-hmm. So um, – we, we moved into the world of conscious leadership, which introduced these tools mm-hmm. to help support beyond mindfulness. So like once I'm mindful, then what? Mm-hmm. So, so, but you teach conscious leadership to children? I do. Oh, interesting. I love it. Yeah. And they love it. Yeah, give a give a description, because we were just talking about before we started the show, um, you know, these kind of, this conscious leadership and what it is, but give us the description. What are you telling children about these words? What does conscious leadership mean? Yeah, I love that question. Um, So I look at leadership as influence, right? Mm -hmm. So conscious means simply to be awake or aware. So we look at it as how are you, how how awake are you being with how you're influencing those around you? Mm. So Conscious leadership is simply bringing awareness to how you're influencing those you're in relationship to. Mm. And that's how I describe it. It's very similar. There's two things that come into my head when you say that. Number one is the idea of be conscious or aware of the energy that you're bringing into mm-hmm. any situation. So it's it you know understanding your role and your piece and the great ripple that, that keeps going. And then also what we talked about on a show a few weeks ago is the whole idea of emotional leadership, which is a piece of conscious leadership. It's like, you know, you kind of jimmy it in there because really my big thing for the last month or so has been oh my gosh, somebody has to start. Meaning there's a lot of, um, this person said this, so I had to say this. This happened, so I had to react this way. Once they tell me something that makes me feel good, then I'll make them feel good. To me, emotional leadership is where are you in this and and you be what you want them to give to you. Yes. Somebody has to start. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's a huge piece of conscious leadership right there too, right? It's a huge piece. It's all about um, context, not content. Mm-hmm. So no matter what someone else out there is saying or doing, you're paying attention to the energy in which you're bringing to what's occurring. Mm-hmm. Mm. So good. And I wish you guys could see her hands because that's, <laughs> that's I see, the Italian hands. I was going to say, do you do, do you see things in your head? Are, are you a visual? Yeah. Okay. Super visual. Me too. Yeah. So like when I'm trying to, sometimes it's very difficult for me to find the right words to explain what I'm seeing in my brain and then what you're doing with your hands. I'm like, yes, that's how I relate it. I'm always trying to share pictures in my head with Todd. Yeah. Well, and what I always say is whenever Kathy gets an idea in her head about whether it be putting on a conference, I'm <laughs> the one with the spreadsheets coming up with SWOT analysis and she'll make a vision board, like <laughs> Google image, a bunch of different things and put it up on a board. And that's what will direct her for the next 12 months as we plan the conference. It's a so. beautiful dance of the masculine and feminine. It, yes. Because yes, they're both needed. They're so needed. Mm. They're both they're needed. so needed. And to your hand story, I have a funny story. Yes, really please. So I was in my daughter's classroom, sixth grade classroom, teaching mindfulness and beyond 
on mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm up at the front of the classroom doing this and I'm moving my hands all around <laughs> and bringing him to, and she and her friend are in the back of the classroom mimicking me the whole Jeez. time of course. in the back with their hands. And at dinner, she goes, what's up with the hands, mom? <laughs> so, it's part of the package. It's was, part of the package. I was going to say, I'm sure there's a lot of kids who do the same thing yeah. to me. So you're, so yeah. we're together in that. So one thing that we, that Todd and I have been talking about as far as, because I think if we were to really like say what we focus on the most is probably self-awareness and how that feeds into everything else, mindfulness, consciousness, Mm -hmm. emotional awareness, all of that kind of thing. Um, But what we've come to realize over the course of many years and trying different things is it's not about bringing in a new curriculum to the school and saying, okay, right now we're going to spend 30 minutes talking about this. It's incorporating it into the existing curriculum. So they're utilizing it in math, science, reading, and it's just their practice of being human rather than a different skill. Do you find that too? Oh yeah, for sure. It's all about how are you being with what is occurring? How are you being without in every part of your life? So that, you know, what I, what I've always said is, Kids are learning how to be human in school. Mm -hmm. They're not just learning information. Mm -hmm. They're learning how to be human. They're learning how to be in relationships. It's a microcosm of the bigger world. So we need to be teaching them how to be in relationship to one another because that's that's where they're learning how to be out in the corporate world, for instance, or out in their relationships, for instance. So I see my kids practicing being human all the time, and it goes way beyond academics, way beyond academics. And that's, I think, our misunderstanding is that we think, again, we'll just take mindfulness. We'll just cut the mindfulness piece out. People think it's a different thing. Like, well, I meditate every day, so I am being mindful. And they don't understand the practice of everyday living. Or it, I should well, say they Well, they'll meditate in the morning, and then they'll spend the rest of their day Pumping reacting yes. instead of responding. Yes. You know? And that's, um, I think that's the, the key piece. Often, when I first started teaching in the schools, parents were coming to me or teachers were coming to me and say, can you make Jimmy mindful? Right. <laughs> sure, I'll get right on that. Yeah. I'll do that today. <laughs> you know, like, meanwhile, <laughs> I was recognizing, and the kids were responding, right? Mm-hmm. They would, they, all of a sudden, they would feel reactive. They'd take a breath. They'd go, you know, shake their mind jar. They would sit, take pause. And, and these are four and five-year-old kids. So parents were saying, well, I want to know how to do that. And I said, yes, the objective isn't to be – mindfulness isn't about you're going to be kind. Right. That's, that doesn't – isn't what is happening here. Mm. Mindfulness cultivates the space to create the presence to recognize where you are so you can make really good choices. That's right. And and that that's a tricky part of this to teach. Are you finding that? Oh, always, because that's that's the piece is that the kindness then can come out of that potentially or it may just be you know that's the thing is like it's what we're solely focused on because to be kind is like a layer and below that are 10 other layers that we have to deal with before the kindness can occur. I mean, we can always be, we can make a choice in the moment. Like Todd will always challenge me with, you can change your your mindset in a moment and, and do something kind. You're mm-hmm. very, what do you always say to me? Like you can. Well, the idea is that if somebody wants to make a change in their life, they think that all these different things need to happen in order for you to make that change. But change actually happens in a single moment. It, it does. In my, and, and this is the paradoxical thing, because all these things are true. There's there's nothing like I'm right, you're wrong. All these things are true. If you want to quit smoking, 
you decide to quit smoking. You don't like wait for all these different things to fall into place in order for you. Like people are like, oh, I can't do it yet, but I'll do it. And it, it all happens in a single moment. What we talked about, and it was with Dr. Duffy or somebody, what we talked about was that yes, change happens in a single moment, but yet that single moment keeps on happening. So you have to continue to make Correct. that decision. So it's not, and that's very similar to mindfulness is that, you know, and again, you're using this language, but I'm going to reiterate is that mindfulness is not a thing where you're like, okay, now I'm a mindful yeah, person. Yeah, I got there. This is, it's like every second, every moment. It's always a choice. Always a choice. And this is one of the things you said, and parents say to me a lot and teachers, um, is we can be mind, or be kind and it's true, we can. Right. But I, what I like to say is, we are we are kind. Mm. Like we're yes. bo- like we already are all those things. Yes. And the mindfulness is just a tool to peel away the layers that get in the way of what we are at our core. Yeah, that's it. That's that's what that visual. It's that how do we access the true essence of who we are? So this idea of being kindness is not something we're doing logically, practically, we're doing it from our... And it's not something you attain. You don't try to attain mindfulness or happiness or kindness. To your point, Anne-Marie, it is the removal of layers, get rid of all the baggage that you got from your parents and educators and teachers growing up. Or become aware of the baggage because you can't... Well, the first thing you do is become aware of the baggage and then you start throwing some of the bags away. And what will come out of that is exactly what we're talking about. So... Do you find, this is something I struggle with, mm-hmm. do you find that because these are things I believe in inherently, like this is like, I, I think we all have this awareness, but there's a lot of pushback about, is that what's really underneath everything? Is that that people, the argument of, are we inherently kind mm-hmm. or are, what who are we really? And now I, that's a hard one for me to even go to because I'm like, of course we are. But there are people that don't think... They, they don't for, look at human beings that for ex- way. For example, hmm. um, I Am Documentary. We all, we talk about this all the time. The guy named Tom Shadiak, and he okay. did a documentary called I Am. No, well. And yeah. his father, I we tried to have him on the show, and we got distracted or whatever. But in the movie, his father started St. Jude's Children's Hospital. He did. And in that documentary, Tom asked his dad, who started this amazing thing, you know, are people kind? And he's like, no. Although he showed the essence of what kindness and altruism and things are all about. And I would, I want to get him in a corner and ask him why his dad thought, and I think his dad has since passed away. But what an interesting well, what paradox. What he said hmm. is people will go to church and they'll all be, it'll be all different kinds of people, completely diverse. Everyone's holding hands, hugging, mm-hmm. you know, they're all together. And he said, and then they walk out of that church and then they live a life of not being, he didn't use this word, but of not being conscious of each other. Right. Yeah. So, so what's I, would, I wouldn't, I would interpret what he said as, it's true. People are not kind. I experienced lots of unkind people, but I don't believe that that's true of who they are at their essence, right. at the core of their being. Right. That's yeah. not how we come into the world. We don't come into the world unkind. Mm-hmm. We don't come into the world unloving. We yeah. are love. We yeah. are made from love. We, The essence of who we are is love. Yes. So anything that's getting in the way of that, we are unconsciously mm-hmm. going about being in relationship with one another. And our job is simply to wake each other up to... How are you out of love in this now moment, mm-hmm. in this yes. now moment? So my daughter came home the other day, and she's 15, and um, she's said, you know, that girl is such a mm-hmm. And I said, oh, yeah, I bet she is. Say more about that. And she's going on about it, and I said, 
And so what do you think about that? She goes, I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say about all that, but I just, I don't want to spend time with her. She's so mean. I said, oh yeah, I get that. I get that she's mean. And what's underneath her mean? She goes, I know she's kind. I know she's loving. I know all that. And I don't want to spend time with her. And I said, that's beautiful. You don't have to spend time with someone like that, but you have to see the love beyond the mean. You have to see the, 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 the core of who she is beyond that. And don't spend time with her. Right. Have a boundary. Again, the paradox, or I don't even know if it's paradoxical if or if it's more about opening it up more. Is that's the misunderstanding that we have is that seeing the love and the kindness and the essence in people does not mean you invite everybody over for dinner. No. That may not be what's in your best interest. That may not be in your integrity. That may not be what's right in that moment. But you can have the recognition, the understanding that everybody has that capability. Can they access that capability in that moment? Maybe not. Maybe there's been things, and we can't even say, we can't say that they never will. Yeah. And we can't say, you know, when it will happen. Here's my challenge in the scenario that you just gave us with your daughter, because I have a feeling you parent very similarly, similarly to your kids as we do with our kids, which is, you know, deep down, everybody's kind and, you know. And the discussion. And the the boys are the ones who are most afraid. And, you know, we have a lot of those conversations. But I know for a fact that my kids sometimes are sick of hearing that from the parents mm. of, you know, I, I know us, us, <laughs> he said, the parents. <laughs> the us. Parents. yes. Like when your daughter said, I know what you're going to say, mom. Like, so here's my, here's, here's the balance that I feel like sometimes I'm not really getting. it. Sometimes they just want to vent and not hear the lesson of love. That's so true. And sometimes I have a hard time shutting up about, cause whenever I hear my daughter speak unkindly about a schoolmate or whatever. I always want to come in with my 15 second lecture saying everybody's kind and something bad probably happened to them that morning and all that. But sometimes you just got to let them be pissed. I think that's true. What this is this is about the how are you being. So that's a great example of how are we being. And I'm going to use the above the line and below the mm-hmm. line stuff right now. Um, are we being above the line in love or are we being below the line in fear with what our kids are coming to us with? Mm-hmm. So when we're above the line, we're, um, we're really just open and curious and committed to learning. And we want to, you know, we're connecting. That's the place in which we're connecting with the person we're in relationship to. When we're below the line, we're in fear. So I just, I just check in with myself and I go, huh, am I afraid that my daughter's going to do something unkind? Mm-hmm. Or am I afraid she's going to be, um, somehow impacted or where am I coming from in this conversation? I'm always trying to check in with myself. And and that's the context thing. Like, where am I being? How am I being with what's occurring in my, in my child right now? And I love that you said that because this is, this is the key, you guys, this is what every show is about is where are you in that moment? What energy are you bringing to any relationship, any conversation, any situation? And people will say to me, well, that's exhausting. That's a lot to think about. And I, or feel, because it's not just all thought processes, feel what's going on in my body. And my answer to you is yes, it is initially. It is initially challenging to to be conscious of what am I doing, what am I bringing, but it becomes just like everything does, habitual, second nature, second nature. Where all of a sudden, when you anything that you're starting, it's like starting up an engine. Because I think we think, well, I'm already so busy. How can I do this too? And what we're always trying to share with you is once you start doing this, a lot of the things that are causing the busyness and chaos then fade away Mm -hmm. because you're dealing with these things up front. Now, for all of our listeners, I want to bring some things together for you. 
One thing is that Anne-Marie um, had a conference last year that I attended that was fantastic. It was actually called the Bring It Home Conference, mm-hmm. right? And um, she had – Dr. Shefali was there. And then Jim uh, – Jim Deathmer. Deathmer. Yeah, thank the you. The Conscious Leadership Group. Conscious Leadership. And after I attended that, we actually did a show about Above the Line, Below the Line. So do you know what number show that was, Todd? I could pull it up. It was a fun show. I loved listening oh, to good. it. I'm so glad. Well, I was just telling Anne-Marie, you guys, before we started, that that above the line, below the line that she just described, I use that with my college students. I use that in my own mind, obviously, but it's a great visual. It's really great. To see where you are. And I was also telling her that I can recognize one thing that was really helpful that Jim said at that conference and that he talks about with conscious leadership is when something happens or we get frustrated or we have a disappointment. It's our natural pattern to go below the line. Yeah, we go into fear. That's when the amygdala gets, you know, freaked out and starts firing and we drop below the line and we, our, our nervous system gets triggered and we go into fear. Well, and then along with that fear brings some shame, at least it does for me. So I got to keep reminding myself when I do go below the line, because as human beings, we do a lot. of the time. Bless myself, love myself, because I think that's, you know, men, women, doesn't matter. That's a human thing. Like all of a sudden we're like, oh, I, you know, we just beat ourselves up. At least I do. And most of the people I know do like they, and then that the beating, the process of beating yourself up furthers you from, you know, the love and the light and everything else. Instead of just embracing right now, I am below the line. Right now, I am acting from a place of fear. Right now, I don't like my neighbor because he did something, whatever. And that's some of the message that I want to, yeah. Acceptance, I think that's the number one thing because wherever I'm not accepting myself, I'm unable to accept another. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And if, so one, we have four questions that we pose. And the first question we start with is, where am I? Mm -hmm. So we're always like getting into relationship, locating ourselves. Where am I? Am I above the line or below the line? Can I honestly locate myself? Mm -hmm. Because 99% of the time we're below the line. And that's just the way life is. But most of us don't want to admit it. Mm -hmm. Right. Because we want to be above the line. We Mm -hmm. want to be perfect. We want to be infallible. We want to make no mistakes. And we judge that one is better than the other. And what we say is the the game is about being able to accurately locate yourself. Mm -hmm. Once you know where you are. You can work on it. You can can figure out where you're going. You you have a plan. Second question we ask ourselves is, can I accept myself for where I am? Mm. So if I'm below the line, can I simply just accept myself? And if I can't, then we get to look at that. Why Why can't I accept myself? Where is it I'm judging myself? Where is it I'm not forgiving myself? Where is it I'm giving myself a hard time? Then that's where all the work is. It's not, the work isn't about quickly shifting to get above the line because then we're missing that piece, that onion layer that's keeping us from the, the, from the love that exists just for us. Right. What's oh, number three? Yeah, keep going. Number three is... Um, Am I willing to shift? Am I willing to shift? And and we really check. We like look around. We're like, hmm, do I have a willingness to shift? I want to see. So I had a – my fiancé and I had a thing last night with my son. My son violated boundary. And Wait a second. Your kids aren't perfect? Sometimes they're not. I mean, but 99% of the time they are. But I'm so glad I had this one example to bring today. It was just perfect what? timing. Right? Yeah, it's it great so timing. Happens. Mm-hmm. So he violated a boundary and we had a consequence and last night we gave him the consequence. He's 18 and um, I noticed myself 
going below the line around the consequence, and so did my fiance. So we went to bed that night, and my son, of course, was texting like, "Well, can we can we please just make one exception?" And you know, he's he was pulling out all the tricks, and like my heart, I was. Like it was painful because you wanted to lighten up on the kid. I wanted to lighten up. Okay. So I had to get really clear. Like, all right, let me get let, get yeah. my game day on. So what I realized is I was below the line in delivering the consequence. Mm. I was be- delivering the consequence from a should. Mm. I should be delivering this consequence. A good parent would be delivering this consequence. Okay. This is what you're supposed to do. So I was below the line. So the consequence was much bigger than I than I really felt. Oh, okay. Was appropriate. Got it. And. I wasn't even sure that a consequence was necessary in this case. So what propelled you to do it in the first place? Because I thought it was the right thing to do. The shoulds. You the should. shoulds. Mm-hmm. This, this, he did this, and any good parent would have this response. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of you know people criticize Kathy and I for being permissive or Pollyannish. Oh, yeah, I and, get that all the time. And they'll <laughs> say, well, no, you, you got to drop the hammer and everything yes. else. That, so that's the voice that was in my head. Yeah. So I... I, so I um, so, Kim, my fiance, and I sat down, and he's a softy, and he's like, yeah, I think that was a pretty extreme consequence, too. And we went back, and he goes, I'm going to call him in the room. So he calls him into our room, and then he he kind of undoes the consequence. And and then I got a little triggered. Mm. So this morning, I woke up, and I noticed I was triggered. Mm -hmm. And what I notice about myself when I get triggered is I get kind of nasty. Mm. So I start doing... Like snippy at people. Snippy yeah. things, mm-hmm. right? So I was noticing, hmm, I was, you know, getting ready to meditate and I was having all these sensations in my body. I was having some fear and anxiety and anger. And I'm like, ooh, I want to get what's going on over here for me. So um, he was up and out of bed already, 5.30, Todd. <laughs> Real quick, was the frustration towards your fiance because he lightened up or because Robert got away with something? Well, you're giving away the punchline. Sorry. <laughs> She's like, that's what I'm getting to. Sorry. Patience, Todd. That's right. Be I mindful. need to breathe. That's Be right. mindful. So it actually was multifaceted, okay. multi-layered. I'm just going to address the one piece right now. And the one piece was I was um, I was actually feeling really sad and angry at Kim because mm. I felt abandoned by him. Ah. <laughs> we, we have Parenting those. Parenting from the same page. Yes, yes, we have those. Yes. So... Um, oh, I called him in, I called him into the bedroom in the morning and I said, do you have a minute? We actually have, we, we do something, um, from the conscious leadership group that we bring into all of our teachings and trainings called the clearing model. So I sat with him and I said, do you have a moment? Um, I want to, I want to clear with you about something. Cause there's something in the way of me fully loving you right now. Mm. And it's some judgment that I'm holding over here that I, I want to get clear about. And if I'm holding it too close in here, um, it turns into anger, it turns into righteousness, it turns into judgment because I'm holding it within. Mm-hmm. But once I have a, the freedom and the space to fully explore it with someone I'm in relationship to, A, I recognize it really has nothing to do with him over there. Correct. And B, we get some clarity between mm-hmm. us. So I revealed all this stuff to him. There's a whole model that we can go through. We can do a whole show on that. Yeah. And we got some beautiful learning on it. And what I realized in the end was I was feeling abandoned you know, I was a single parent for many years, so I had to hold both the masculine and the feminine energy. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm in relationship for the past five years with this man. And um, and it's it's also kind of strange, like he's not their parent, but we're right. co-parenting. So where are the boundaries there? So there's lots of things to figure out. Um, but I said, I really wanted you to like hold the boundary tighter. Mm. And, and he's like, oh yeah, I get that. And so 
there was all this beautiful learning between the two of us from what occurred. Now, five years ago, I would have been nasty. I would have been slamming the you know, pots on the stove mm-hmm. in the morning and I would have been judging pa- Passive him, aggressive. Passive aggressive about, because I wouldn't have been owning what was up for me. And what was truly up for me is I could have held the boundary just fine without him. I didn't need him to hold a boundary, but um, I also have trouble holding the boundaries. Mm-hmm. So there was just- You needed support I, I wanted from your fiance. I don't because, need it. I yeah, wanted, wanted it. it right. Yeah, she could have done it, yeah. but the way that it feels when you're supported and that's where all that love comes from. <sighs> you know, I know. Yeah. You know, one thing that Todd and I talk a lot about on the show is I am, I consider myself very much an external processor. Clearing is very important to me, meaning that I will even say to him before I start, this very likely has nothing to do with you, but I need to go all the way through this to you're holding up your quick pen. interjection what because you say this to me all the time and bless you for it you say this has nothing to do with you do you know what i think when you say that to me that it has everything this to do has with you everything that is my unhealthy <clears throat> masculine wanting Beautiful. to please my wife even like most men out there don't have the benefit of a woman who starts the story with this has nothing to do with you. Usually women say this is your fault. Even with you saying this has nothing to do with you, Todd, my own baggage says, how can I fix this? This has everything to do with me. Continue your story. And while I I completely understand, and then the... Pardon the interruption, folks. We'll get back to the show in just a minute, but I want to tell you about our three amazing partners. Are you looking to keep your family in alignment and healthy? Are you ready to consider chiropractic care as a natural way to solve your health problems? Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care has kept our whole family moving on all cylinders for over five years now. She's dedicated to helping families reach their health care goals naturally. Mention ZPR for $20 off your initial exam and get ready to get your power cranked on. You can learn more by going to chirotree.com. Hey moms, want to get healthy without the body shaming and the diets that don't work? Then check out our friends at Healthy Habits Happy Moms. They have a 12-month journey designed with the real mom in mind. It's specific to the busy moms who want healthy bodies, sound minds, and permanent lasting freedom. Their message, their energy are in complete alignment of what Kathy and I discuss on this podcast. To find out more, go to healthyhabitshappymoms.com zen. Don't forget the zen. And finally, do you have a house project coming up? Avid Painting and Remodeling is your answer. Jeremy Kraft is the owner and is a good friend. He has the two most important qualities you can ever ask for in a contractor, professionalism and trustworthiness. Jeremy has done so many jobs for Kathy and I, we have lost count. So if you have a project coming up, I encourage you to give this bald-headed beauty an opportunity to earn your business by going to avidco.net. Now, on with the show. Continue your story. And while I, I completely understand, and then the this is the ownership thing, though, is that's your piece. Totally. Right? I, I'm, I completely believe Correct. It. And so, so why I'm saying this is not for you or not to make me right, but to make sure that women or men who's ever hearing this and, and is feeling in my position, don't not clear because you're afraid of what the response will be, because the more often you have these opportunities too clear, the more you can practice this dialogue of this, the more you, I'll just use you, Todd, the more you can practice not feeling to blame. It, the feeling will come up yeah. because that's just so habitual and yeah. that's just so ingrained. I think it is for all of us. Well, yeah. And what's so beautiful is, so again, this is all about how are you being with what's occurring right? and taking ownership, taking 100% responsibility for what's occurring in you. Wow. I'm noticing there's this part of me that 
feels at the effect of whatever's going on over here. And and I have a choice. That's I can it. get to know that part of me even better because that part of me is call, being called up to be healed. Right. And how is Kathy showing up to help me heal that yeah. part of me? It has nothing to do with Kathy. Mm-hmm. It's all about me. Right. And then Kathy gets to own the piece of her that's, yeah, mm-hmm. nothing about you. It's, it's all about me. And And that as I process through that, I, as I clear, then I realize those pieces, just like you said, that are being called up for me to look at yeah. of where I'm in judgment, either of you mm-hmm. or of myself or what, how I reacted to something that I sometimes think the the third level that you talked about or the number three um, is we rationalize our negative behavior so well. And mm-hmm. that we can call that an ego trick. You know, a lot of people have different language around that, but we could really get, we can take our our negative thinking or our below the line uh, response and really give it a big hug and be like, I'm right here with you and I'm going to stick with you. We rationalize yes. it. Yes. Well, I mean, that's our ego really holding tight yes. to we don't want to be wrong or bad. Yes. But there's all those places, just like you saying, oh, yeah. you immediately think you're bad. And that's so common for boys, by the way. Yes. Yeah. So common for boys. And I, my heart just breaks because I think that's happening in our boys over and over. They take on the shame. Well, and what's interesting is when you say that to me, because, you know, we'll have, you know, conversations, you know, the fact that you are able to deal with this in such a healthy manner with your fiance, I mean, tells, you know, not that you and I are perfect, but we try to handle it in similar ways as how you just described. Well, put it this way. I don't get, when something is uncomfortable or I'm judging you or whatever, I'm not, there's fear because fear by nature is that anxiety and that judgment, but I'm not afraid, oh no. Todd's not the person I thought he was. No, yeah. It's more like this is something that we actually we'll get the opportunity to, to, figure to out. work through. And what's interesting is you'll like you'll we'll have a conversation and you'll be saying all these different things. You'll say this has nothing to do with you and let's just say it's because I've been traveling a lot for work, which mm-hmm. leaves a lot of the responsibility. I feel the abandoned thing yeah. too. Yeah, 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 yeah. So then yeah. um so but you'll say a lot of things and then you'll say, but and you've been traveling so much, like I only pick up on the negative crap that has to do with what was my role. Like I don't I don't hear all the other stuff of And it's very interesting the language you said the negative crap, which really you traveling isn't inherently neck and isn't negative, but it is taken as yeah, it perpetuates a, a, a an experience of us having to come together and have these heavy. I don't like heavy conversations. I'll do it because I love my wife, but they're really. It's not just for really me. What's most men love heavy conversations. <laughs> what's wrong with you, Todd? <laughs> <laughs> like I've got men calling me all the time. I wish my my significant other would yeah. have more heavy conversations. Right. I wish she would say we need to talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wish that statement. But see, that's the thing is right there. And again, I, this is not, I'm not. I don't mean to pick on you because I know that you know this thing. We do this all the time. But the language. Is really important because you said I'll do it because I love my wife. Don't mm-hmm. put it on me. Right. This is something we do together. Right. And when I bring something up, there's awareness that happens between both of us, and it makes us closer, not me happy. But my problem but us is, yes. I I always have this hope that at the end of our last heavy conversation, which rarely happens, <laughs> but when it does, that this is the last time we'll ever have to have this conversation again. Uh-huh. Like I want to be the perfect husband and never have, never travel too much or never leave the seat up or whatever the things are that husbands do that are wrong. But it's, and you've reminded me, like Todd, this is never going to stop. Like there's always going to be hiccups because in relationships there's hiccups. Well, as long as we want to keep growing. Yeah. There are, um, I, I don't call them hiccups. I call them, you know, 
growing opportunities yeah, yeah, and right. like opportunities to get to know ourselves better. And that's what it's all about. So every time that comes up, you get to examine the little boy in you mm -hmm. who feels shame or inadequ inadequacies or, and get to nurture that one. That's where you get to love that one. Well, and what's important is the language you just used is growing. If I can look at it like, okay, instead of here we go, it's, this is an opportunity for me to connect with my wife in a way that wouldn't be happening had we not had this not come up. And the most important thing to me, because these are like, this is where, you know, we all kind of have our things where we, and it's because of our own history, our past, the things we've been traumatized by. But I I go directly to the piece, as, as I already did, of when we are having these conversations, they are for both. Mm -hmm. And that I think a lot of times what happens... <clears throat> excuse me, especially when these conversations are starting is the masculine and it's not always the man, you know of what course. I mean? Like there's, there's often someone who doesn't, especially in a same sex relationship who maybe doesn't want to have the conversation as much. And there's that feeling of, I'll do this for you. Mm -hmm. Roll my eyes. I'm the rock. You're the emotional one. And that is always been, that's kind of been, I think the work you and I have done for 10 years is this isn't about what's ever happening in the home. You're bringing in energy. I'm bringing in energy. The children bring in energy. And I may be the one to bring it up. Yes. But it's not me creating it all. It's I, well, I'll take responsibility. Well, you're for having piece. the guts to bring it up that that I'm not. Well, and and again, it, and the words you used to use. Remember, you used to call me your rock. And then through some help that we've had through coaches, like actually, Todd's Todd's not really a rock. He's <laughs> he's numbing out. Well, that's what's so funny because when yeah, when you when I have. I visualize a rock. I'm like, oh, well, that's warm and cozy. Right. Like, we don't Very really, cold, right? You know, the, the job of the feminine is to open the masculine up to love. Yes, and it, agreed. And that's what, uh, you know, and it's the women need to be the rock to be able to constantly come back and like open the men up again, yeah. over and over again. And our boys, when mm -hmm. you talked about this shame, our boys are walking around with so much shame because they're, they're, they're feeling so vulnerable inside. And they're not allowed to show they're up they're not allowed to it. share it. And um, so they need their... The, the feminine to like, draw them out and teach them what courage is really and what is strength really and all of that. And so, you know, Emery, when you say that, it gives me, so, again, another picture came into my head because a lot of times when we're talking about our boys or our men, we talk about them being attracted to women because of their physicality or their body, which I'm not, that's true too. Sure. That's, that, that lives in its own place. But really this attraction is about that oh, it's about draw me out yes. draw me into my vulnerability and let me let me feel that part of myself that i'm so disconnected from yes yes and so this you know this kind of goes down a different path but a lot of times when people ask, ask me about hookup culture which is so common mm -hmm. and i even think it was when we were a lot of times we're trying to put things on this generation because oh, people maybe have been there's more hooking up since oh. ancient greece yeah yeah yeah, yeah are you yeah. kidding me yeah. Yeah. ancient greece all the hookups <laughs> yeah all those in hookups. athens oh the ancient Tinder greece, greece. <laughs> yeah <laughs> aphrodite that's right that's right i heard <laughs> hook it up. but you know this whole idea of hookup culture the reason why that is so challenging is it's not about being approved sexually or about thinking that it's not normal to have the feelings they're having. It's about, it's this surfacey piece. It's the, I'm going to access you physically and then I'm going to walk away. So really what I'm looking for in knowing myself better or knowing you, I never even get close to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's such an interesting, like, again, maybe we've all known that and in our own ways or figured that out ourselves, but that when people say, well, what's the big deal about hookup culture? That can be the big deal. Well, there's a lot of holes. Yes. There's a lot of holes. And, but, but the, the sad part is people, people aren't even realizing there's a hole. Mm -hmm. Correct. So, and, and this is the um, taking responsibility piece, right? So 
um, I'm looking out there for someone to fill this hole that I have and she's not doing it or she's not, he's not doing it. You know, something's wrong out there. So when we're above the line and we get curious, we look at taking hundred percent responsibility. Mm. I was like, how is it that I keep attracting things in my life that aren't filling me up? Right. And then we get to look at that and then we get to ask those questions. If we yes. only got to question number three, but we'll get to question <laughs> number four. Right. And then we get to take a hundred percent responsibility. And then we're completely empowered to create the life and the experience of the life that we want in this now moment. Mm. Mm. And so, because you said that, what is four? So, so question number four is Hold how it, will I shift? Real quick. Yep. Number one, where, one is, where, am I? where am I? So I located this morning, I was below the line. I wasn't, yeah, I was below the line. I was feeling, no, I wasn't below the line. I was above the line, but, and, so I want to make this point. This This is is important. Um, You can be below the line in fear, and you can be above the line in fear. At the same time? No. Okay. So fear lives lives above and below the line. So I was above the line in fear, because I was noticing I was afraid. And so I was getting with, hmm, what's going on? And I was noticing I was sad. But I wasn't reactive. Mm-hmm. So okay. that's the difference. So when we drop a little line, we get reactive. We drop consciousness mm-hmm. around our emotions and we let our emotions control us. Mm-hmm. So I was above the line. And, and then the second question I asked is, um, can I accept myself? So I sat in bed and I was like, oh, yeah, I can, I can accept myself. I'm just scared mm-hmm. and there's something going on over here. And I can get curious about it and I don't I don't need to push it away or, or make it go anywhere. I can just be with that. That's the mindfulness piece. That's like getting present to whatever's occurring in the moment, being with it with loving, compassion, holding it like a baby that's crying, right? right. It is. That's exactly mm. what it is. Then the third is, you know, am I willing to shift? And so I had to really check. Mm-hmm. Hmm, do I want to shift or do I want to hold on to all this? Do you sometimes get into this process and realize you're at number three and you're like, I don't really feel like shifting? Yep. Okay. Yep. Me too. And then you have to love that one. Mm-hmm. So like, okay, I can love the one who doesn't, who's not willing to shift. Yeah. Like my daughter who doesn't want to shift around this friend. Mm-hmm. I can love you for that. Yeah. So you get to number three. So today I recognize I wanted to shift because yeah. what I was more interested in is creating connection yeah. than yeah. I was in being right. So then I was like, how am I going to shift? So I got, you know, I was going to meditate and I'm like, oh, I can't, I don't want to sit with this. I actually want to reveal. So my, my choice to shift in this case was revealing to Kim, calling him in and, and sharing with him. So that was my shift move. There's yeah. lots and lots of different shift moves. Mm. But, um, and then the result was he and I have more connection. He has deeper learning. He got learning about himself. I got learning about myself and we grow closer together and now we are changing the consequence a little bit together mm-hmm. and that is my definition of intimacy yes into me see into me see i love it and that is when when we're trying to access intimacy in any of our relationships we're go again we're going at it externally give me the word yes. show up for me give me a gift we're going at it externally intimacy is something that we get when we not just see each other like you look nice today, but that under that place. Like I always find for myself, like the way that I love myself after I bring up these conversations or before with Todd, is this is a really brave thing to do. Because yes. I'm going to show you some dark that you may not think that about me, or you may think that I'm above that kind of thinking, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm look, look at all the parts of me. Yes. Look at this one. Ooh, yes. Ooh, ooh. I don't like that one so much, but but she's there. Yes. Jealous, you know, egoy, um, uh, angry, angry, just angry. Yes, angry is an angry. ugly one. No one likes to no. show angry. No one likes men. Don't like to show vulnerability or, or sadness. Um, well, so- anger is really one of our 
easiest one to express. That's the only one that's acceptable for, for men. For us. Yeah. 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 I think that that's sadly. I have a big anger wing. Yeah. I have a lot. I do anger really, really mm. well. Mm. Yeah. I would love to see that someday. <laughs> oh, I don't know, Todd. Let's, let's unleash our anger and yeah. see how we all handle yeah. each other. Well, and for and this isn't the case for all girls. Again, I speak very generally, but anger is one when we're younger, to, we're told not to feel. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean we don't feel it. Just like it's saying because you show anger, you're not vulnerable. Of course, they're they're all in there. But girls, typically when they're young, when they show their anger, which is very natural, they're told to be nice. Oh, well, boys too. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, that's true. You know, one of the things this is this is key when I'm teaching mindfulness. Um, lots of people have labels for emotions. You know all yes. this. So there's good emotions and bad yeah, emotions. Right. And you know, I'm constantly educating around this idea that emotions are just energies in motion. Correct. They are neutral mm -hmm. and they're all super valuable. Mm -hmm. So we actually want anger. Anger mm -hmm. is of service to us. Sadness of, is of service. They're all of service to our humanity, to mm -hmm. our humans being mm -hmm. in the world. So we don't label emotions. We welcome them. Mm. That's right. Now we categorize behaviors like okay, you can be angry and you can't be angry at me Correct. or you can't hit me or you can't you know, be aggressive towards another. Mm -hmm. right. So there's boundaries around how you are with the... Um, I'm laughing at my hands again. I know. <laughs> I, I'm loving it. You know, it helps me. I'm right there. It's not you. helping the listeners too much, yeah. but I'm with I'm you. I'm like, no one can yeah, see this. Right. My hands are all over the place. Right. So yeah. So how are you... Um, expressing your anger is what we're concerned about, but we don't, we actually want to welcome the anger. Correct. I, 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 and I think that for parents, the, the 101 or 102, whatever it may be, is that expect all the emotions. Mm. It, first expect it, you know, so there's not that, oh my gosh, you know, because I know because you coach, you get this too. A parent will come to say, come to me and be so in shame and say, my kid hit. And I'll be like, Yes. Now, the hitting is not okay, but the feeling, of course. And that's the piece we're going to talk about is how we get to that and how we help your kid with that. But there's this feeling of any kind of, like you said, labeling of this negative, you know, we call this emotion negative. This is not an emotion I want my child to show to the world, but the expectation that it's there no matter what. And how do we have them accept it? it really, the the one, two, three that you went with, with above the line, below the line. This is so good for kids. Oh, the kids love it. They love the it. kids love it, except at the dinner table. Sometimes my kids are like, oh, we're not doing that thing again, Mom. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Um, I realize Anne-Marie is contradicting Master Yoda, sweetie. Contradicting? Contradicting. Contradicting. <laughs> I makes up words sometimes. I was like, what's that word? Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Anne-Marie, Anne you just said that there's a good fear. I think Master Yoda would disagree with you. She said there was a good fear. I mean, I don't, uh, Yoda's saying no. Well, so you think if Master Yoda had a, an opportunity to explain himself a little bit further, he's probably talking about the below the line fear. He's unconscious fear Got it. can lead to hate. Conscious fear is really um, informative. Mm -hmm. So when I'm walking down the street and I notice someone walking behind me and it feels uh, it doesn't feel right in my body. I'm consciously aware of my surroundings and I'm going to protect myself from a place of fear. Yes. So yes. that's that's good fear. It's an example of how fear helps you. How fear is helpful. But Mo it, isn't most of our fear pretty bad, though? Um, I don't label emotions. You're labeling it, though. Yeah. I don't know. 
I spent a lot of time being afraid, and I know it's not healthy. Well, Todd, but that's the but that's below, below the, the line. line. And that's my point. I think most of the fear that we experience as human beings is below the line fear. Right. So our job is to wake up to um, – so so below the line fear isn't actually real. Mm-hmm. It's a figment of our imagination. Yeah, we're it's making some, it up. We're it's making a construct. It up, yeah, based on some story we have mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. So that – but conscious fear is really healthy. Yeah. And conscious fear to me is very present time. It's very in the moment. Like that's a, you know, a lot of people will say, how do I know what my intuition is? Yes. You know, and that's right then. What do you, what's happening right now? Not what's the story I've been telling myself since I was 15 years old about this. That's not intuition. Right. And I also want to go back to, um, even the unconscious fear is super informative. Mm-hmm. Like when we get to explore that, we get to learn yeah. more about ourselves. Right. So, welcoming that is important. Well, and the trick is to pause for a two seconds to even recognize that it's in you. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times I'm afraid and I'm not even aware of it, but yet my energy that I emit, the decisions I make throughout the day, part of my job is to slow down, mm-hmm. take a pause, take a conscious breath, meditate, do yoga, play basketball, whatever it is, because I'm not really, I'm still working on that. And you know what, Todd, interesting, we're saying above the line, below the line, and I think another way to say this, or for me, what works is being in the head and then being in the body or in the heart is because when you say all, you know, when you're making that comment, all fear is is bad, really, because I know you and I know that that's not really how you live, but you're trying to logically put it in its place. Mm -hmm. We try and do these, like, this is where this belongs. It's a very mind, it's a mind construct, like what's good, what's bad, what's black, what's white. And when you get in, when you, when you drop the head for a second and you go into your heart or into your body, and again, I hope this this translates, is that it's all – there's room for all of it. Mm-hmm. Nothing has to be categorized. Mm-hmm. There is no – it just – again, using what Anne-Marie was just saying about recognizing it you know, and holding it, it just is – because, but, but then when we go back in the head, we're like, yeah, but that, but that's bad. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of the practices above the line, below the line to me is similar, maybe not identical, but to being all head versus in heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and they work well together that we need both. And just like we need above the line and below the line, like we can't just be above the line 24 seven or else there's nothing happening. You know what I mean? There's, there may not be growth or maybe we've, we've, you know, dealt with all of our demons. Completely but. enlightened beings. <laughs> 24-7 yeah. enlightenment. Which, yeah, that's a, that would be an amazing experience. It would. Yeah. And I know that there are people who have said, you know, teachers or some people who do, you know, monks who do believe that they have shed the ego, which sounds... Egoic. Well... I think it is. Does it? Yeah. Does it sound? I think anybody who says, and I love Eckhart. He's one of my best teachers. But and and I might be destroying the interpretation of what he said. But he's like, no, I lost my ego on that park bench that one day. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. That doesn't that doesn't fly with me. But do you think he could still recognize it if it came in? And I think that's what he was saying. He's like, it's not that I don't have egoic thoughts. It's that when they show up, I recognize it versus the rest of us who it becomes part of who we are. And then we are inside of our brain and the voice inside our head becomes our, how we, how we yeah, react. Yeah, right. So I don't know. Do you think anyone can drop their ego 100%? Hmm. I've been um, toying with that question over the past few weeks. And I think it's possible or to get really close. Mm-hmm, to get really close. I, I do. I, I do. I do. I've had 
mini experiences of it, like recently, mm. very recently, I've had these experiences of being really in an expansive place mm. of no ego and mm. just love. Uh, it would be like I'm imagining like being on some kind of drug trip or something. It was really fascinating. Like my heart was completely wide open and I was feeling nothing but love and no judgment and it was it was a trip. Mm. And I, I remember I had to sit at my desk and just sort of breathe and go, what is going on? And so when you just said, can we all live above the line, I recognized in that moment, I don't know that I could exist in this place of expansiveness mm-hmm. and unconditional love and acceptance because it was – it was hard to be in my body. I think about Jill Bolte Taylor. Yes. When she said what I experienced could not fit in this container yes. that I am. Yes, that's exactly what it was like. A lot of people don't know who Jill Bolte Taylor is. She wrote uh, My Stroke of Insight and basically she had a stroke on her the logical side of her brain. So she only lived in actually, yeah, in the right side of her brain, which she was so expansive and was literally just energy mm-hmm. and everything was just feeling and just those pieces, the imagination and the and she it, she literally described it as a nirvana. But when she started to when those when her other side of her brain started to heal and she started to bring it back together, she could not understand how the vastness and expansiveness of herself could fit in such a small container. Yes, that's exactly what that's amazing. Yeah, that's that's a perfect description of it. So I think it would it's really difficult in this this container of the earth that we're living on mm-hmm. to be able to live in a state of constant unconditional love. But I do believe that Eckhart or Eckhart-like people are able to sort of recognize the ego and then not react right, to it. Right. That makes perfect sense yeah. to me. me too. And because that can become, as we discussed, habitual. And and if you have a higher level of awareness, there are some people that just vibrate at a, you know, a higher level. It could be through practice. It could be through how they came in. But they can it's, – it's quicker. It's well, a practice. It's a practice. It's a yeah. practice. Right. And that's the thing. Like if I say I'm going to go – sit on a mountaintop and read books and everything else. The fact that if my goal is to be enlightened and shed my ego, that is by definition, you the minute there's a goal or a mm-hmm. destination limits your ability to get that. Like we talk about presence and mindfulness, really, it's not about having a goal. I mean, I love goal setting, believe me, you know, business goal setting, parenting goal setting. But the minute that you have something that isn't with you right now and you're trying to attain it makes it egoic, unattainable. Is that making any sense? Well, you're definitely not present. Right. Meaning that right. there's... The fact that the idea that I'm going to get to this place mm. means that I'm not being present. But does that mean we can't make plans? No, of course not. We always make plans. As soon, you know, the Carl Jung quote, you know, as soon as we accept ourselves completely and who we are, that's when things can change. Mm-hmm. You know, like and 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 I when I say things can change, I don't mean because we have to. I mean as soon as we just are where we are, then everything's possible. And it sounds it doesn't sound esoteric. What's the word? I know you probably struggle with this too when you're doing presentations, but I'm always trying to make sure that people – it's very hard to encapsulate all of this. It's it's virtually impossible, but it, it goes – it can be paradoxical. You go this way and then this is becomes not true and – that's it's layers. Esoteric is a good word. Do you I think, think. Okay. to keep it from being esoteric yeah. is tricky. Yes, because there's the science and all of yes. that. But there is it is esoteric. It's it is an esoteric concept, and to take those concepts and make them um, tangible yeah. 
and in you know in like bite-sized pieces and relatable and useful in your everyday life. I think that's the um, that's the trick, yeah. and that's why. I did what I did with the conference last year, brought Shafali and Jim in because Shafali has a beautiful way of expressing these meta concepts. Yes. And then Jim has a great way of creating the practical tools to, to, to integrate that mm-hmm. into everyday lives. And I just created a, an online course that brings those two pieces together to help walk through like what's it like to learn to recognize being above the line and below the line. Mm. What's that course called? Foundations of Conscious Parenting. And so it's for parents specifically. It's for parents. Oh, that's so awesome. So it goes through like cultivating presence, how to recognize being above the line and below the line. When you get into drama, how do you recognize your roles on the drama triangle? When you're um, wanting to shift, how do you create tools to shift and what are the tools to shift and all of that. And it's really fun because it takes what I just did um, this morning Mm -hmm. and it creates a lot more connection and intimacy in your life. I know. Because normally what would have occurred today for me would have probably lasted three or four days. Sure. Because it would have been fighting, and then we would have started fighting about something else, and it would have turned into all this other stuff, and so many layers would have been created, we wouldn't have been able to get back to the core of what's going on. Right. It would have been it would have morphed into something completely different where you would have never been able to access its root. Or if you yes. did, it would have taken so much work. So I know we're getting to the end here, Todd, because you're getting on your computer, but I have to ask one more question because I've been struggling with this. So Anne Marie's gonna help me with this. <laughs> <laughs> so all of this, you know, I live this, teach this, you know, feel so it all i the fact that i just always feel so good talking about it or practicing it is all i need to know yet there are times like when we're at number 3 you know the the three things where you know am i ready to let go of this i'm finding that in myself and a lot of the people around me right now when there's a lot going on in the country where there's some divisiveness and and we can say it on the grand scale in government or even in our own communities or maybe in a family um, there's this feeling of things won't change unless we fight. Mm. Okay. And this is where I, this is where I get stuck where there's this rat. And again, <clears throat> I, even the word fight, I, it's hard for me to say the word like, that's just not something that ever feels good to me. So I'm not saying, should we fight? What I'm saying is what is, well, I guess I am asking that question. Like when we're at three, how do we make an impact and make sure that people know that we care and that we're willing to make a change or that we don't find something appropriate or we are, it's not about being against something, but we want to raise our voices. How do we do that without that below the line mentality? That's such a great question. So when you said fight, yes, I got reactive. Me too. Did you see how I had yeah. to shift that word? I can't yeah. stand that word. So my body got really tight yes. and I actually got judgmental of yes. the word. Yes. And then I loved that you went back to it. So there, there was an interesting dance over yes. here. And then you and I talked about being visual. Yes. So the word that came up to me, and I actually had an image of this, is stand. Mm. So to me, there's a difference between fighting for something and standing for something. Yes. Yes. So it's all about being in integrity with what I stand for. Yes. And how can I stand for that from a place of love and consciousness? So, um, in, in, you know, in my opinion, it's all about checking out where I have judgment about what is right or wrong and getting with everything is perfect. Mm-hmm. Like even 
Donald Trump yes. is perfect in this now moment. And can we get curious about how it's perfect and still stand for I don't agree with or I don't believe in or I don't – I'm not aligned with those values. Mm-hmm. I have different values. But um, without being in judgment of what's occurring over there. Okay. So to me, that's the big calling. That's the big challenge. So can we stand for what we want without making the other wrong? I love that visual because that's when when we say rise up. Like, you know, when I say to my girls, rise up, I don't mean go fight and attack. I mean, stand in your integrity. And you just saying the word stand, I got goosebumps all over my body because that's it. Like we just need to, if this, if there is something we believe in, we don't attack others who don't believe it. We live what we believe. Well, right. You know, um, my daughter came home from school the day after the election. She was texting me at lunch. She goes, I can't believe it. These kids are so awful. And she was, you know, there was some kids that were, um, you know, touting Trumpisms at, right. Trumpisms at other kids. And she was, you know, she's an activist. She's like, yeah. they're awful. And and I said, okay, just check it out. How are you being with what's occurring? Correct. How are you in judgment the way you're accusing them of being in judgment? Correct. And she was like, whoa, right. I'm doing the same thing. So can you just be how you say you want them to be. Exactly. And that's hard. It is because you think, I think we have this belief system that if we're doing that, we're not doing anything because we've been so, it's been so ingrained that that fi- that fighting or acting out or being against is the way we make change. And I'm not denying that maybe change hasn't been made that way. Oh, sure. But how can change be made by rising up and standing up and living the peace that you're, you know, I always say, let's be, you know, we were just talking about emotional uh, uh, leadership. Somebody has to stand up and be what they would like other people to be. Yes. And you, you don't just get to be that when it's easy. Exactly. So you don't just get to be that. So when someone's showing up and they're testing you, yes. can you really keep standing for that which you believe in? You know, yes. not fall into the judgment. So Well, and you said it's, it's really beautiful. hard, and I agree with you, but one tool or vehicle to maybe make it more accessible is we have wonderful teachers and role models throughout history that have shown yes. what it is that we're doing. So it's not like this has never been done before. We have wonderful people in our history books that have shown how to make change without subscribing to the same hatred that they're trying to whatever. To fight against. To fight, to fight against. against. Well, and I also just want to call myself out that I was just below the line when I said it's really hard because really, it's really hard is a below the line statement. Mm. I like the above the, above, the, above the line, below the line thing, but... You know, a lot of conversations you and I have just let's just let's just say it and not. But that's called that's the PC thing, which the practice is the fun of recognizing. Yeah, it. I just got to recognize. She's not judging herself. Mm. She's just saying, "Oh, interesting." I mm. even said hard, and that's that's playing. And what some people would say is, "That's oh, you're trying to be so PC." No, I'm trying to see myself. Yeah, mm. and so also when I when I use the words, it's hard. Um, like my daughter would say, well, it's hard to be nice to them when they're being so. So that's actually below the line. That's a victim statement. Yeah. So all, that's just giving me like an excuse not to stand up or yeah. not to do the other thing. So I get to I get to rest back there like, oh, it's hard. Yeah. And then you're stuck at number three. And I don't want to change it. Right. I'm going to rationalize and it. And that's okay. I can, yeah. I can stay there if I want. But it's all about 
taking responsibility Mm -hmm. for the what I'm believing. So if I'm believing it's hard, I'm going to find all sorts of evidence for why it's hard versus if I just recognize I'm challenged in this now moment and I could choose something different. Because you said if you want to quit smoking, Mm -hmm. it's just a breath away. Yeah. No pun intended. Right, right. (laughs) Literally. It's just a puff away. Uh But if I want to quit judging... It's really just a breath away. Yeah. It's just exactly. a choice away. Yeah, you can just decide. But if I'm believing it's hard, it's I'm going to make it hard yes. to make that choice. Yeah, the, the language that you say to yourself is a an influence on how you project out into the world. And that's why when people say things like, can't we just say what we want to say? It's the, it, of course you can. Again, I'm, I'll do. Please do. It, exactly. Yeah. Go for it. At the same time, instead of but, but at the, simultaneously, those words have an energy and they will create other ripples. So if you are aware of that, then say whatever you want, but then understand how everything is occurring. But you don't have to, you know, and again, this is where we have to do this for ourselves and not look at everybody else and say, see what they're doing. It, it's only just our And I like that at the beginning of our conversation, you called this, I think you said it was kind of like a game. Yeah, it is a game. It is a game. It's a total game. So we play our game. And when we bring that energy to people, like, you know, whenever, I would say 99% of the time when I am um, interacting with people in the world, face-to-face, not in cars where we're, we're pretending everybody is an other, but where everybody's so nice. Everybody's so wonderful. And you know what? That's because you're viewing the world with a different lens. Somebody who had the exact same day meeting the exact same people are going to say the Starbucks lady was mean to me. Because they already believed it before they walked in. Exactly right. They already believed it before that. They're looking for it. And she may have said the lens. Exactly. She may have said the exact same thing to me that she said to somebody else, Mm -hmm. but the way it is filtered through the body. Mm -hmm. And see, that's why, again, it's your game. Just play your game. And if, if those words don't resonate, just do your self-awareness, and that creates peace in itself. That's why we're all mirrors for each other. Yes. So whatever I see over there, it's just something that's reflecting back over here. So this morning yes. when I had that thing with Kim, he was just a mirror for recognizing the one in me who has trouble holding boundaries sometimes. Mm. Yes. And I was not liking that one in me. So I got to first judge it over there. Yes. Like he's got a problem holding boundaries. Well, it wasn't anything about like I could have totally held a boundary. Right. So it's it was just it was a beautiful gift mm. that he gave me to look at myself and go, oh, that's the one in me who who sometimes has a hard time disappointing my kids. Yes. And I could nurture that one. I could love that one. I could comfort that one. And then I could choose differently. Mm-hmm. And then I could forgive myself for not always holding good boundaries because sometimes my kids push me and right. I give I give in. And I, I don't like that part of me because I judge myself for not being a good parent. I mean, it goes down this whole rabbit hole. That's right. So that was a gift this morning. And I got to go back and check in with myself. Well, in school, are you guys in school right now? No, we're out. Oh, I was going to say, because busy mornings, you know, (sighs) the fact that that Kim was able to, you know, hold that space for you. Yeah, it was beautiful. Mornings are tough. Yeah. For us, we're all trying to do 45 different things. Yeah. I'd be like, now? Yeah. Really? Well, and that's a good point. So part of the first part of the clearing model is, are you available? Right. And you get to say yes or no. Right. Yeah. And I want to say that he was really beautiful this morning because he goes... I'm really proud of myself because one of his greatest skills is he's a really good listener. I was noticing this about you, Kathy, today. Mm. And, and mm. you too, Kathy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mostly Kathy. Yeah. Appreciate that honesty because you're right. Go ahead. Um, you're really good at reflecting uh, 
back. Mm -hmm. And that's a skill that I often am working on. He's really good at reflecting back, but he's really good at reflecting back when he's not triggered. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when I was going through part of the clearing model, which is revealing all the stories you make up and the facts, um, he said, I noticed the part of me was like, that's not right. That fact isn't right. Or that fact isn't right. You know, and he wanted to like get mm -hmm. in there and correct me. And he just like took a breath and let that go and it was just present yes. to the one in him who wanted to correct. And, yes. And um, he was, you know, he's sort of proud of himself. Well, that's an I example of right. a mature masculine man because a lot of masculine, feminine, male, female, it doesn't matter. Usually we want to be right. And if somebody's telling me something that I have a different opinion of, I'm going to interject and express my opinion and all of a sudden we're in a debate and a fight when really what we should do as partners is to create the space for a different opinion to show up not judge it and stay there yeah stay get our learning it. get yeah. our learning so yeah bless kim nice it, was, job. It, it was fun it was good work but it's taken years i know years and, it's, years, and years and years and years and practice and it doesn't mean that Next I, week is not going to be different. Exactly. And I think one of the, the – an email that we get consistently from people about this show is they are so relieved to hear that we have the same conversations about the same things yes. and that we will have to go – and when really deep down it's always the same issues. It, it may <laughs> exactly be about right. – Right. It may be about the car this time or a family member this time or the kids, but it's always about the same issues. And I think for many people that's been a relief like because there's that old belief system, are we talking about this again? Mm -hmm. Then this must not be working versus mm -hmm. it's actually – working really well yes. because we're talking about it again yeah and here it's just up for healing it's it just, just wants up. a little bit more healing and yeah and so it's beautiful work and um you know something just triggered in my mind because you said it keeps coming up yeah and um this comes full circle for me because when i first started coaching i was coaching adults and i was coaching a lot of men in the, like 40s 50s mm -hmm. and then i started turning my work towards kids because i thought oh what if they got these tools early early mm -hmm. what would it be like for them you know and uh, my son, who's 18, um, was in a relationship with a girl for two years. They just broke up recently. But um, he he's, like, come to her with the clearing model. He's like, we're going to do the clearing model. Mom, today we have a date tonight. We're doing the clearing model. Mm. And he's using those tools. And seeing them, seeing him start to incorporate that in uh, his relationship with his dad or mm. with his girlfriend, it's like, oh, that's so cool. Well, and as a guy... I love an instruction manual. Yeah. Like, Kathy, this, you just do this because it's part of who you are. You don't need an instruction manual. It doesn't mean you're smarter than me, but give me a tool. four steps, Yes. four questions. I love that. Yeah, because otherwise I don't know what I'm doing right. over here. Yeah, I love the instruction manual because yeah. it keeps me, my mind organized because I can get all heady. Yeah, structure. Yeah. Structure. Yeah, yeah I'm a it. big structure person. And we need them both mm -hmm. because, it, you know, that's, again, that balance model is Todd's right. Sometimes things are just coming fast and furious for me and I go this, that way and that way. But then the structure is really valuable to me too. So it's not like, oh, you know, and for you, maybe there's too much structure and then you open. It's just, it's a, it's a constant, it's a it's breath. A dance. It's a dance. Yeah. It's like in and out and, and. Anne-Marie, we said this before we started, I think, but we just love what you do. Oh, yeah. ditto. ditto. And we're just so glad you're in Chicago mm -hmm. and that, you know, yeah. you're someone that we can always um, count on. And um, we've, you know, obviously told people about your work and, you know, and just, we just appreciate so, you. Ditto. Thank um, you. You have a million things on your website, but I wrote down <sighs> Foundations of Conscious. Is that 
do you have to sign up? Like, how does it, does it start at a certain time yeah, or you just so sign up whenever you want? I'm so excited about it. So um, last year I did a live course online and it was popular and it was hard for people to like get, you know, everyone Tuesday at noon. Right. So I spent the past nine months creating an online self-guided course going through all these tools. Nice. And it incorporates um, the meta model of Shafali's work, like, you know, what is conscious parenting? And then um, Jim Dethner's work from the Conscious Leadership Group, bringing those two things together in these like bite-sized pieces. So there's six modules. First week is, uh, first module is presence. So how do you cultivate presence? Then we talk about above the line and below the line in detail. There's a, then there's a mod model on the drama triangle. So when we go below the line, you we didn't even touch on this yet t- mm-hmm. today, but we go below the line, we get into drama, and we fall into three categories, victim, villain, or hero. What are our signature roles? Where do we go when we get into drama with others? And and how do we shift from there? And then we talk about shifting, and mm-hmm. um, we do all this in relationship to one another. So we take the learning over to a private Facebook group where we're practicing mm-hmm. putting these with tools in mm-hmm. action with each other, which I have found the most valuable in my work. Um, I'm in a number of forums where we're practicing integrating this stuff because let's face it, we're in our 40s and 50s. We've been doing this dance for many, many years. So in order to create real shifts in ourselves, real, real um, systemic, internal systemic shifts, we need to practice. Yes. And we need people calling us out and pointing things out. So that's what the Facebook community is for. And then we have monthly calls where we're talking live about nice. what's going on. So it's a real I'm really excited about it because it's it takes that learning and brings it really deep. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's, it's been transformative for me. The thing that this work has been transformative for me because I've talked about consciousness for years and years and years, but to have that structure was something I was lacking. Yes. Like what are the tools? What are what's my four questions? Those four questions have changed the way I am in relationship to the Starbucks woman That's to right. my intimate relationships. Yeah. And I've loved them. Awesome. I've loved them. So So your website is bringithome.me. Dot me. Dot me. And um, so is the course, I mean, you have, you have, you have, I'm looking at your website right now. There's a tab on parents, educators, students, courses, events. Um, well, is What's the best way? Like, what would you want people to do? Like sign up for the newsletter or what's the best way that they can find you? There's um, a free five-day mini course. Okay. So that's a great start. Mm-hmm. Um, you can sign up for the mini course. And if you're interested and you want to go deeper, sign up for the course. Nice. Join us in the course. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. So say the website one more time. Bringithome.me. Bring it so home. It's all about bringing me. it back home, bringing it to me. Yes. And... Anne-Marie is part of our conference in February. Yeah, she'll be there in February, so you can can see the real deal. Yes, so thank you so much. You guys do such a beautiful job at the conference, so everyone should definitely be there. I agree. I can't wait. Thank you, Anne-Marie. You're awesome. Thank you, guys. I think we broke a record an hour and 12 minutes. (gasps) Yikes. That is a record. By like four minutes. I know. It's a testament to you. Time flies. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Keep trucking. Thanks, Anne-Marie. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it, and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. This helps people find us. You can also just tell a friend about our show. That's our favorite kind of marketing. Todd and I do speaking engagements about Zen Parenting and self-awareness, so if you have an interested group or organization, contact us at comments at zenparentingradio.com. 
and get your early bird tickets for our big Let's Get Real Zen Parenting Conference February 24th and 25th at the Westin in Lombard. Todd and I will be speaking Friday night, and we have Rob Bell, Rosalind Wiseman, and Ali Smith as our keynotes on Saturday. If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or Amazon. If you're a guy, I have two resources for you. I coach guys. It's called Coaching for Guys. <laughs> On the phone, Skype, or in person, we set goals together and come up with a plan to meet those goals. The website is toddadamscoaching.com. And we also have a monthly men's group. So if you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with, check out the tribemensgroup.com. If you ever shop on Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. And finally, I want to thank our two amazing partners, Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Jeremy Kraft, that bald-headed beauty from Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks, and keep on trucking.